Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Good to have you here. Kurt Mortensen here as we're rolling down the road to Podcast 500, although this is only 443. Excited to have you here. Please tell your family, friends, and enemies about Maximize Your Influence as we take a deep dive into the skills we should have learned in school. How do you communicate? How do you get the yes? How do you get less no's? How do you get a quicker yes? It's all about the influence of convincing the communication. I spent the, well, most of the week, I guess, in Southern California, close to where I grew up. Irvine would be the city as we spent time talking to managers and leaders about communication. And the common thing after the training, the seminar was, man, we should have learned this a long time ago. Do you know what a difference this will make? And I said, yeah, that's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's why I was so mad after spending all that money on a college degree and a graduate degree. Really? I mean, economics, I guess, is cool and statistics is cool. But let's get more of the emotional intelligence and the soft skills in the school. It was interesting during the training. One of the big concerns is that these leaders, these managers, they need to give constructive criticism, have that courageous conversation, reprimand others, but they still want to maintain the relationship. And then the other one was owning the problem, not throwing what they say, the bear over the wall for someone else to do it to own up, man up, woman up, whatever you want to call it to say, okay, let's have that healthy debate. You can't just let the elephant in the room, as they say, or let that sore fester. That was one of the issues is just letting it go too long. So the way you communicate when they like you and trust you as a leader, remember a manager, they do it because they have to, a leader, they do it because they want to. One of the big challenges I see is a lot of managers think they're leaders. Like, I told them to do it, and they did. I must be a leader. <laughs> well, think again. We'll see. But the key is when you can build a trust and communicate, and you can maintain the relationship, motivate them, inspire them, that is the key, and it can be done when you do it the right way. Because when they know that you care about them, empathy, you like them, connectivity. They trust you, credibility, track record history. It's all part of that. Then this becomes a lot easier because they know when that's in place that you're there to help attack the problem, not attack the person. Hopefully you grab that one. When they know that you're there to attack the problem together, that you believe in them, that they can overcome, that they can do it, then they don't feel attacked as a person because that's when they come after you. So just put it out there. Let's dive into it. Hopefully you're achieving your goals, your dreams, and your success. So I'm going to do a blidja. Now that's kind of a cross between a blunder and a ninja. Remember the blunders are the mistakes and the anti-suasion people do that cause people to resist. The ninja, of course, is like, woo, that was awesome. How did that happen? How did they get that? Yes. And I see this working a lot of the time, but that's only when it's off the radar. When it happens too many times and it's on the radar. So I guess the first person that uses it is the ninja, but how would you know? The 12th person is the blunder, or probably the 5th and 6th person. 
So I was over in Europe, what was it, last month, I believe. And of course, you're bartering and negotiating. And I've always harped on those in North America that don't negotiate. Most cultures, the price is the starting point. And they look at people like, really, you're going to pay that? I was just starting the negotiation. And they actually disrespect you for not trying to negotiate. You're like, oh, okay. They say 10 bucks. You're like, okay. <laughs> they want a little barter, a little back and forth. And I always have fun with that, like to see that and, you know, start the negotiation, go back and forth. And it was starting to get a little low, back and forth, seeing kind of where they were going to stop. I noticed this was overused and abused, but still interesting when it was first used, how's that for so many uses, is, well, I'm not the boss. I just work here. I can't make that decision. See, they defer the authority and there's nothing they can do. They wash their hands. Now, many of them were the boss, were the store owners, but it was a nice way to back out. Now, this is one of the dirty deeds I've categorized over the year where people say, oh, I'm not the boss. I can't make the decision. And you're like, you said you could make the decision. And they just defer it because they are feeling uncomfortable. They want to think about it, do some research, or maybe they're at the end of their negotiation rope. So how do you deal with this? Well, know that it is a tactic. You could keep negotiating because I would bet, and I don't have a study or statistic on this, at nine times out of 10 when they said that, uh, they were the boss. They could make the decision, but it's an easy way for people to like, oh, okay, well then we must be done negotiating. If that does happen, ask to come back later when the boss will be there to talk to the boss on the cell phone. And that's where you're going to see, are they lying to you or can you actually talk to the boss? Either way, that's good information to you as a persuader, as a negotiator. They're like, well, they're on vacation. <laughs> well, they don't talk to anybody. You know, they're probably the boss, and you can work with that. If they pick up the cell phone and call them, awesome. If they're going to be there at two, come back. Then you could talk to the person making the decisions. So either way, that could be a blunder ninja. Be aware of it. You could actually use it, too, maybe in a good way. To where if you're feeling backed into a corner, especially when one of the dirty deeds is you're like, yeah, we'll just talk to two of us. And then you show up to their office and they've got their lawyer and their accountant. There's like five to one. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that happens. It's the dirty trick, the psychological tactic, that dirty deed I've been talking about. When you're feeling something like that, I would be okay with you saying, you know, I got to run this by my manager, my boss, the CEO. I'm concerned about this. You can buy yourself a little more time if you're feeling like they are stacking on you. All right. Now let's get to the geeky scholarly article. This comes from the Journal of Nature and Human Behavior, Stanford University and Dr. Nicholas Coles, about a smile. Can a fake smile, a posed smile, improve your mood? We've talked about smiling. We've talked about mood. And if we can increase mood, we know they're easier to influence. We've talked about that. Bad moods make people harder to influence, harder to persuade, harder to connect with, harder to accept the vision. Good moods, exact opposite. They like you more. They think of your past victories. They can see themselves doing it. So can we get them to smile? Can they mirror our smile, even if it's fake? Now, before I start on the article, there's been a kind of a pandemic around the world, people wearing masks, and it's been harder for people to read facial expressions. And so a posed smile might not be a sincere smile. A sincere smile, as you know, 
your eyes smile with your mouth. That's how you know it's a true smile. If they're like, <laughs> yeah, good to see you, and their eyes aren't moving, uh, you better back up. They're probably not happy to see you, as, or at least as much as you think. So there's something there. That's how we know with a mask, looking at the eyes. I mean, eyes will tell you a lot. That's a whole nother podcast. If you want to check out the archives, we have talked about the eyes and detecting deception. That's at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Also, let me plug it, the home of the free Persuasion IQ assessment. And you get the free book, Maximum Influence. That's the new edition. Just pick up a little shipping and handling and everything else you want to know about our advanced training. And if you want me to come speak or do a webinar for you. So here we go. Composing, that would be fake, smile, brighten our mood. So this was done actually in 19 different countries. They said, when we're happy, we smile. We know that. Our corner of the mouse we talked about, our cheeks lift, the skin around our eyes crinkles. That's when the eyes smile. But does it work the other way? Now, there's been many different studies over the years, but they say composing our muscles in a smile brighten our mood. And a lot of psychologists and researchers have been going back and forth. Can mood trigger smile, smile trigger mood, facial expressions, emotionals, moving the muscles, does that do it? But they found strong evidence again, and there's other studies that confirm this, that posed smiles can, in fact, make us happier. I think we already know that. So we experience emotion so often we forget to marvel at just how incredible the ability is as humans, emotions, realizing with no pain, there's no pleasure, with no, there's no suffering, there's no happiness, with no failure, there's no success. Let me add that to it. And I've said it before, we are emotional creatures. Now, there was an older study, if you remember the pencil study, where they had people look at Gary Larson's The Far Side Comics, where they had a, a pen or a pencil in their mouth, kind of posing that fake smile. A little controversial. Some people duplicate it. Some people fail to replicate it. So take that one with a grain of salt. It's, a lot of people do cite that study. So they divided people up into three groups. The first group used the pen in the mouth method. The second group was to mimic facial expressions seen in the photos of smiling actors. And the third group was given instructions to move the corners of their lips towards their ears and lift their cheeks using only the muscles in the face. In all the groups, half the participants performed the task while looking at cheerful images of puppies. Kittens, flowers, fireworks, pizza. No, I just put in the pizza. I guess I'm hungry. But the other half saw a blank screen. So they were trying to disguise why they were doing it during the trial because that can hurt your results. And they were asked to do little physical tasks like math problems and a few other things and rate how happy they were feeling. And they did know, yet in 19 countries, a noticeable increase in happiness from participants mimicking smiling photographs or pulling their mouth towards their ears more than the pen or pencil in your mouth technique. And maybe just putting my two cents in the pen mouth is kind of a fake smile almost. But the argument's clear that human emotions are somehow linked to muscle movements. So the stretch of a smile can make people feel happy, and the furled brow can make people feel angry. Less the conscious experience of the emotion can be at least partially based on bodily sensation. They found it out again. It's there. It's true. It's real. So what do we do with this? Well, if you're in an angry, rotten mood, we know you can't persuade very well. So you've got to get yourself back on track. We've talked about this before. Great influencers, great persuaders can get themselves in the right state quickly. Failure, rejection, failure, rejection. Take a walk, sunshine, listen to music, watch something funny, go smile. Whatever you need to do to get in the right state. For many, it's just smiling. And if you want to get your calculator out, 
How much does a smile cost? A smile is free. It generates a great first impression. So they're going to mirror you. You're going to be put in a better mood. And it also shows happiness and confidence. Your smile shows that you are pleased to see them. You accept them as a human. You're happy to meet them as a person. Then as a result, they can become more interested in meeting you. It's that feeling of acceptance. It increases trust. It releases oxytocin. And studies do show, this is based on the studies I've seen, sales representatives who smile during the sales process increase their success rate by 20%. This is true in customer service. Over the phone, there's a better connection. They get better ratings. There's just something about that. So a smile can be a huge asset. Now, it depends on the situation, the culture, the past relationships. I know that. That's kind of how it is. In fact, studies, when I was doing laws of charisma, smiles do speed up the connection, law of connectivity, rapport, especially when you can mirror and match them. Now, if they're not a big smiler, you don't have to go over the top. If they're not if they're not having a good day, maybe you want to tone it down a little bit. But you can smile, you can mirror their mannerisms, their mood, their gestures. Now, your goal is to bring them up. If they're frowning, you can have a, a medium smile, but get them to smile, get them to laugh, look at their body language. It's real. It's called isopraxism because people want to feel somewhat similar to you. Try this out this week. When they ask you your name, you just say your first name. Hey, it's Kurt. They usually mirror that. They say their first name. No, it's Kurt Mortensen. They usually do both. So when I talk about smiling and energy, you want to connect with them and kind of be close to them, maybe be a little bit higher, a bigger smile than them, a little more energy than them, a little more animated than them. But if you're like way over the top too much, too optimistic, we've talked about that, or your smiling's way too big, or you've got the creeper creeper tit smile, or they're going to hide their children, those type of things, you got to back up a little bit and kind of see what they're going to do. So again, a smile helps you create a first great impression, shows happiness, changes mood, acceptance, shows your confidence. Now again, with a smile, you want to have that good eye contact, not 100% of the time, kind of mirror their amount, probably 60, 70%. Again, the smile shows you're pleased to be there. You like meeting this person, you're accepting them. And they should reciprocate and show that they're interested in, in meeting you. Let me add to that. We have this smile, posing a smile, fake smile. We want to have a sincere smile if we can. Get our eyes to crinkle a little bit. Show little teeth if we need to. Again, we're adapting person and culture. Many of you are like me. I've seen the emails with the RBF. That's where you have the resting angry face. Be more aware. Try to smile more and realize that that's the first impression. I'm telling you that cement dries fast with that first impression. Can you repair it? Sure, you can rip out the cement and pour new cement, but that's a lot of effort, a lot of cost, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources. Sometimes you have to do it. I get it. But why do that when you can really spend a bit more time on that first impression, that rapport? Now, when I say rapport, it's kind of that harmonious link that we have so you just connect with them. You want to tell them your life story or it's that friend you haven't seen in three years that you can just start where you left off. And I'm telling you, people like you and trust you. Influence is easy. So rapport is just clicking. They're just liking you. You're a likable person and everyone's different. Remember, that's the key to persuasion is you're persuading others how they want to be persuaded. You're connecting with them how you like to be connected with. 
So be more aware of the eye contact, the smile, the body language, even the touch, the mirror and matching I mentioned. But a big one that a lot of people just don't realize that goes with the smile is humor. I've hammered this one before, go back to the archives, but let me spend a few minutes on this. Is humor can be a powerful tool to create rapport, especially now with the problems in the world, things happening, anxiety, depression, wars, pandemics, inflation. I'm probably depressed you, but I mean, a little smile, a little humor. Let me feel good. Let me feel that you like me. People are so hungry for it right now. And humor is a great tool to connect and build rapport and get people to smile and get them in the right mood. Humor makes the persuader seem more friendly, more accepting. And not only that, it grabs people's attention, makes you more memorable, creates rapport. I can go down the list. Not only that, it's a great tool in that courageous conversation or that conflict to decrease tension, help the relationship, and it can motivate people. And some studies even show that the appropriate use of humor increases trust in your audience. It releases oxytocin in the brain. Now, here's another interesting one I read the other day is that humor can also distract your audience from negative arguments. <laughs> so it grabs their attention and sometimes it diverts their attention away from things that could be really negative that you don't want them to focus on. You want them to focus on the positive, not the negative. And basically what I'm saying, it interferes with their ability to carefully scrutinize your message and think of counter arguments because they're laughing and feeling good and liking you more. So if your prospects are laughing at your jokes, they may pay less attention to maybe some of the negative things they were focusing on before. It can soften up people, disarm listeners. And I've seen it in negotiation where a right joke at the right time, people just kind of laugh and realize, oh, geez, I'm taking this too seriously. Oh, wow, I'm getting mad. I'm getting emotional here. That can be very helpful. So again, it connects you and increases their attention to your message. Now, I know we have to be cautious. A lot of the humor I used to use, I don't use anymore because it's offensive. And I'm like, it is? I Really? How did you get, what? I don't know. So some are more careful of some. I'm like, oh, I see why that's offensive. Some I still don't see. But yeah, if it's offending people, you got to look at it. It's got to be used appropriately, especially culture. When I go to other countries, I show my comics or bounce my humor off a translator who grew up there because they can tell me, yes, no, woo, no, okay, maybe try it out because <laughs> things can be very offensive. And that could cause the audience to turn against you, especially very offensive, very explicit humor, male-only humor, female-only humor could cause a problem. So humor should be used as a nice, moderate distraction. Hey, if you're not good at telling jokes, practice it, have somebody else do it, borrow it. You're like, what? Yeah, YouTube video, comic strip. Now, some comics you'll have to pay for, especially if you're publishing them or putting online. But a good comic, a YouTube video, someone else telling a joke, an embarrassing moment, a funny story, I'm telling you, it's gold. So you don't want to cross the irritating, not funny route. Modify your humor for your audience. Learn to tell stories. And I would recommend, I always recommend in all my seminars and all my training, and when I coach people, start creating a joke list, a humor list. It could be a YouTube video, a funny meme, a joke you heard, a joke your kids told you, dad jokes, mom jokes. Enroll for the countless websites that have joke of the day. And let me warn you, most of them are rotten and bad. But every once in a while, maybe once a week, you're like, no, that's me. That matches me. I could use that. And you put it on your joke list, your humor list, story, embarrassing moments. Wow. What a difference it can make. Laugh more, smile more, 
Get yourself and your prospect in a better mood, and that will cause you to be a better influencer. So thanks for being here. really appreciate your feedback, your insights, your love and your support. Remember I said it earlier, tell your family, friends, and enemies about Maximize Your Influence. Either go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, wherever you find your favorite podcast. You know, I always wanted to say that. <laughs> hit like, hit subscribe, let me know how we're doing. And use these skills for good. Change the world, improve your relationships, make more money, be more successful. Give back. Change the world. That's all we're asking. Not a lot. But take a couple of things that you learned today. Make a mental note. Apply it throughout the week. And you'll be happier. A better negotiator. A better influencer. Have better relationships. And of course, as you know, you'll be able to go out and persuade with power. <laughs>